Welcome to the Bacon Games Podcast, your source for the latest from the MLB and the NFL. Let's get started with your host, Jesse. I'm joined with, I actually think we have recorded a podcast together, Zach. Is that, that's true, right? We did do the mock draft, right? Yeah, we did. We uh, talked a little bit earlier pre-draft, or yeah. right after the draft, and it was a great time. So I'm happy to be back here again. Yeah, what's up, Zach? It's, it's good to have you back for sure. Uh, why don't you uh, tell people where they can find you and stuff and plug, uh, plug some stuff, man, you know? Yeah. Uh, hey, everybody. You, my name is Zach. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at ZachyNFL. Um, I contribute for the lateral. I like write or for, uh, record videos and stuff like that for them. Um, and coming out soon, I have an article talking about the uh, value of pass catching running backs and why that means we should be higher on DeAndre Swift specifically. Uh, so I'm a big fan of DeAndre Swift, and I think if you are as well, I or am. if you're in the opposite camp and you're very anti-Swift, it's definitely something to be on the lookout for. Uh, there's some really neat stuff in that. So. Again, Zachy NFL on Twitter, and be on the lookout for this next article coming out on pass catching running backs. Dope, yeah, definitely, definitely check that out. I am also big on Swift, so that's that's good to hear that we've got more of that in the community. Big fan of that stuff. <laughs> um, but yeah, so we've got uh, we've got some more rankings dispute stuff. I love this. It's one of my favorite things to do is to yell at each other. Although I don't really get too heated, I don't think um, about ranks and stuff. So I'm I'm excited to get into it, man. Are you ready? Oh, I flip tables, so I'm ready to fight. <laughs> Oh, man. All right. Sounds good. Um, so we've got one that I haven't actually spent too much time, especially on the podcast, talking about um, as a player. First one we got is um, Austin Eckler. Um, I'm, I'll just read out real quick. We have the show notes. Actually, thanks to Zach. He provided all this wonderful information you'll be hearing, which is really appreciated. Um, but so uh, Zach has uh, Eckler ranked eighth in his RB rankings. I have him 17th. Um, Underdog has him as the RB9, 12. ADP-ish, Fantasy Pros, RB9, it's about 12 for ADP as well. So we're nine spots off? Feels like an eternity. Um, but if you want you want to start up, tell me why you like him so much, hit me. Yeah, so I'm a really big fan of Austin Eckler this year, um, especially in PPR, point per reception formats. Um, not so much in standard format because I think you really get the game-breaking ability of pass catchers as you move higher and higher into those receiving or reception bonuses. Um, but Eckler is someone that it feels like the community is very split on whether he's getting enough credit or not enough credit. Um, but I think everyone kind of sees the ceiling that he provides. He was the running back like four overall back in 2019. Um, in 2020, he had an injury plague season where he uh, did in his hamstring early on. But even in those same, um, you're in that same 2020 season with a rookie Justin Herbert at quarterback. He put up 5.4 catches per game in the 10 games he played. He had 54 catches, which is a monster number that puts him on pace for over 80 receptions in a 16-game season, which is a number that we normally see hit by RB1 overall um, type of players. And he doesn't quite provide that level of upside because he's not really known to uh, make a living between the tackles, but he gets valuable receiving work. There's an opportunity for him to get more end zone work inside the 10. Um, and we've just seen like all of the things that he can do in terms of yards per route run, um, posting high reception yard games. Like 
three out of Eckler's um, eight games were greater than 65 receiving yards, and only Alvin Kamara, uh, who had six, and J.D. McKissick, who had also three, um, had even more than one game with over 65 receiving yards. So he's right up there with the best pass-catching running backs in the league. And on this Chargers offense that we can be so high on between Herbert, Keenan Allen, Eckler, that improved offensive line and the hopeful second-year jump of Justin Herbert, or even just maintaining at that level, I think it's really hard to have Eckler not finish as an RB1 overall, or RB1 um, when healthy. But I know you're a little bit lower, and I'm really curious to hear about why. I'd love to. Yeah. Um, I'm as interesting as it is, and I don't normally say this about guys where I have rankings disputes on and where I have guys who I'm lower than consensus on. Um, I don't think there's anything wrong with the talent. I think he's supremely talented. He's really good. He's one of the best receiving backs, um, I think, in the NFL, actually, um, which might be surprising to hear if I'm ranked 17th. But I look at his stats and I see he playing one full season where he was amazing and he was great. And he has production, you know, on, on levels per game that, um, th- that are great, like you were mentioning before. But I haven't seen him put it all together. And for him to be my eighth, eighth ranked running back or my ninth ranked or my 12th ranked running back, um, he's going to need to be more consistent because I'm not drafting guys who have this much bust potential. My best potential is the injury concerns, possibly, or the fact that he's only done it for one season. I haven't seen much from him outside of that. I mean, I know he's been very good on a game-to-game basis, and I still think he's very talented, but I worry that I don't know if he's going to be able to put it together, and I think he has a very high ability to bust, considering he hasn't really done it for one full season. Um, And I don't hate the other running backs that are there. Uh, I, I just can't rank him that high. Does that make sense? Yeah, I think that makes complete sense. Um, a lot of what we're looking for sometimes is that past pedigree of running backs that have shown they can finish at an RB1 finish multiple times, and that's something that you really feel safe and reliant on, especially when we're talking about a position that's as volatile and injury-plagued as first-round running backs can be. Um, so I think that's a really valid point. Um, it's just tough for me to see with the number of receptions that he gets where he's on pace for 80 catches, realistically, we could see him, if things break right, push closer to like 100 catches overall. He had 92 back in 2019. He was on pace for 92 in 2020 as well, right. I believe. Mm-hmm. Um, yes, so if he's at that 100 catch like threshold, like it's just that provides such a ridiculous floor and ceiling simultaneously. Um, but if you're not confident, and I think you bring up a valid point of the pedigree because we can say Austin Eckler could just be like Miles Gaskin that we're all collectively higher on where it's a pass catching running back, not going to get a ton of work between the tackles, who's really only had one season to show that he's done it. And it's not always a given that they will end up um, repeating that performance, even what they have um, like a, what feels like a lock on the backfield. Usually that's more of a projection rather than something that's going to actually come to uh, fruition. Yeah, I I just I, I worry. Yeah, I worry a lot about that. I think it's more of a philosophy thing for me generally than it is for uh, just these rankings, because I don't want any I don't want anyone in like my top 12 to be like high bus candidates because I don't I don't I want to be safe in the early rounds and then nail it in like the middle of the rounds where like you can I think there's more wiggle room and stuff. And I just don't think. Yeah, I don't think Eckler fits that. I also like him a big. Joshua Kelly and Justin Jackson fan. And I, it's hard for me to put a guy in my top 12 that isn't like the, f- 
simple-ish workhorse with pass catching upside. Now I know he has great pass catching upside. Look, if he plays full sixteen games, I he gets over hundred targets. Like this is, this, I, I'm wrong. You know, I'm wrong, and I'm willing to be wrong on this because it would happen. It could happen. You know, it is a better shot than most of these guys who I have like Buster or lower rankings in on this list. So this is one where we I think we'll probably agree the most on um, where, where our rankings thing is so far apart. You know. Yeah. Yeah, and I think it kind of goes back to that old saying of, like, you can't win your draft in the first round, but you yep. can absolutely yep. lose it in the first round. Yep. And if you're more risk-averse, um, I think that's totally fine, especially as we're seeing, like, more and more that first-round wide receivers can provide safer win rates in, like, tournaments, like, on underdog or FFPC, like, best ball tournaments. Yeah, best ball, First yeah. round wide receivers, especially towards the back end of the first round, are providing you that safety net that you just don't have with someone like Eckler. And then he's in a really interesting spot ADP-wise as well. Because right now on um, Underdog, he's sandwiched right between Cam Akers and Nick Chubb, um, who are both just, like, have as many bull arguments to be a top five overall running back. Mm -hmm. And in some cases, they may may feel safer um, than Austin Eckler due to draft capital, overall talent, um, situation with their team. So I think Eckler... Fading him isn't going to kill you. I think that he provides a really good upside um, in terms of championship potential towards that late uh, late first, early second territory. But I don't think it's like gospel that like we're just all collectively missing on him here because <laughs> there are some other really great targets in that same exact ADP range. Um, so from a risk, risk aversion perspective, I think like your reasons for fading Eckler are very valid. Yeah, that's definitely was a good word, risk aversion. Yeah, I'm definitely into that in the first like three rounds ish. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, because I don't want I don't want to lose my draft there. You're definitely right about that. Um, I think that's all we need to say about Eckler. We're we're pretty we're pretty. I, I don't want to say we're similar in rankings because we do have a pretty wide gap. But I think the philosophy or the, the methodology behind that is kind of similar. Would you agree with that? Yeah, I would say so. Okay, cool. All right, let's go on to. My favorite, um, I, one of my highest risers, I think, in uh, in my rankings so far is Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. Um, you have him 16. I had him 10 on our list. He actually has moved up to 8 for me now, so I'm even higher up there. Um, looks like you're you're more chalk with this, uh, with Underdog being their RB15 and Fantasy Pros their RB16. So, looks like you're in the right zone there. Um, you want me to go first, or you want to go first with this one? Yeah, because I, I, for me, uh, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire was someone that absolutely broke my heart last year. I was a big believer in the idea of, like, he's going to be that first-round running back in the Chiefs offense that's going to actually deliver like we saw Kareem Hunt do years ago. And he's in that Andy Reid offense. And it's just so appealing to have the number one running back on that offense, especially after we saw the Chiefs running back depth kind of thin out due to COVID. Mm -hmm. And then he burned us a little bit towards the back half of the season. The The front half was really good. Um, though watching him get stuffed on the goal line like six or seven times in a row is pretty painful. Um, sure. But I think a lot of those same high-end, like made high-end RB1 arguments for Clyde are still there. And now he's even a round or so later in average draft position and overall running back ranks. So I think there's a big value to capitalize on here, and I'd love to hear your argument for why you have him uh, at RB8, I think you said. Yeah, yeah, I moved him up. He, I mean, stuff might – in that skull change, my rankings are in pretty big flux. This week has been a, kind of an overhaul for me, but still fun to talk about. I, I'm still I'm still willing to bite the bullet. I will defend that uh, RB8 or RB10 ranking for sure. Um, yeah, I mean, you mentioned a lot of the stuff that I'm still high on. I, I don't really – 
I mean, it's one year removed from him being, <laughs> you know, amazing in the first like half, like you said. I remember that first game. I think it was the first game of the season or so. I, I don't know. Yeah. I remember watching that game. Yeah. Um, and it was huge. He was great, and everyone was really excited. Um, and then you know it it got worse. But I don't really care. He's a rookie running back, and he had a really great start to the season. He's on a really good offense with a better offensive line than he had last year, like times two, I want to say. Um, and he was the only running back, like you said, in one of the, I think one of the best running back classes we've seen in a long time, honestly. Uh, the first running back taken in the first round, the only one taken there. He's got great receiving ability. I know it wasn't exactly shown off as much as I think it can be last year, but in college, he was insane with Burrow. With the, the way he was able to to maneuver guys when he had space, in space, with uh, with the ball. And I think that's really easy to do on a team that's going to want to pass more than they want to run. Uh, I just think there's an immense amount of upside. I think he has the most upside of any uh, rookie running back, honestly, because of the offense he's in with the great offensive line, the just great ability to make plays, and the other threats that people have to watch out for on all the levels. You know, Kelsey's more of an over-the-middle guy. Tyreek can take you deep. He can do whatever he wants because he's so fast. And then Mahomes is just insane. So I, I just want a part of this offense, and we all know he's a good player. He's one of the better running backs in this draft class, I think, uh, or two years ago's draft class, whatever. Uh, I just don't know a lot of reasons why I wouldn't want to take him, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it was the uh, week one versus the Texans. He had 25 carries yeah, was, yeah. for 138 yards and a touchdown, and then we just started watching him get stuffed on carry after carry. Um, and then, in yeah. interestingly, he didn't have any catches that game, and then those started piling up. And we were so optimistic on him, like, the first, like, three, four weeks. Um, but then it was week seven, I think, where Le'Veon Bell uh, joined. Mm-hmm. And so, his yeah. numbers just started to fall off a cliff there, even though it was the corpse of Le'Veon Bell, which is like a small concern. It's not one that I think, I think it's mostly just noise, but some people do believe that and think it is a legit argument. Um, I really like Clyde Edwards Alaire. I do think you're correct about the potential and the upside. I just don't know if he's as likely as some of the other players going around his range to actually re- um, meet those expectations or meet that top tier expectations um kansas city was fourth in passing plays in the red zone last year they as soon as they kind of saw that running it in the red zone isn't where they really want to be unless it's mahomes himself they were just going tyreek and kelsey over and over again every time they're in the red zone and it was kind of just painful to watch ch get ignored time after time there um that massively improved offensive line is really, really nice. I do like that. And even the uh, injured toe from Mahomes could make Kansas City lean on the run a little bit more than they previously have. Mm-hmm. But I just feel like Mahomes is so good and he's such a talented thrower of the ball that it almost hurts Alaire in a weird way because he can almost always find Tyreek, find Kelsey, or one of the other, the like infinitely many wide receiver four type players on Kansas City to make two or three catches a game and give you some production. Um, So I think it's absolutely there, especially if we're believing that the Chiefs go on this like post-Super Bowl revenge tour and try to take the league by storm, go 17-0. and I almost said 16-0. It sounds so (laughs) weird now. Um, And I think it's there. It's just, it's tough for me because right where Alaire is going, um, outside of positions, I really don't know if I can pass up on DK Metcalf, Darren Waller, AJ Brown, Justin Jefferson, who are right in that same tier. Um, and then even in like in terms of running back place, he's still right around Najee Harris, DeAndre Swift, even Aaron Jones or Antonio Gibson we're seeing fall 
And I think they provide similar levels of upside, and I feel just slightly more confident in them, um, despite yeah. Hilaire's team and talent and offense, which are all right there. And they're all they were visibly on display both in his final year at LSE with Burrow and in the first six weeks of uh, 2020. Yeah. Um, yeah. Also a reminder, he's only 22 years old. He's very young. Uh, I just want to put that out there. He just turned 22 in April. Yeah. Okay. So not that long ago. Um, yeah. I just, I, I read those names again that you, that you feel more comfortable with. I'm just curious. Yeah. Um, so like overall ignoring position, it was like Darren Waller, um, Mm -hmm. AJ Brown or uh, Darren Waller and AJ Brown, Justin Jefferson are sandwiched like right around the range where we're seeing CEH go. Um, yeah, what, what about right, the more concerned with the running backs? Yeah, yeah, hit me up. Yeah, with the running backs, uh, we're seeing him kind of right around the Aaron Jones, Antonio Gibson, Najee Harris, uh, DeAndre Swift kind of range. And I really like CEH, but in terms of like that tier of players, those low RB1 to high RB2s, he just is a little bit lower on that list for me. Are, are you expecting him to catch or have a lot of targets or catch the ball a lot? Yeah, um, it's it's. I think he will offer a good amount of targets. Um, prior to Bell joining in Week Seven, he had 5.2 targets per game, which would be an 88 target pace. Um, and if he can continue on that or even improve on that number, the sky is the limit for him. But I just don't know if we're gonna see the pre-Week Seven Clyde Edwards-Elair or the post-Week Seven where his targets started to dip. Um, and his carries in the valuable areas, like in the red zone, sort of started to decline as well. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah. I mean, I, I expect a bigger role just from what I saw. I, I think this is a similar case to, to DeAndre Swift, really, where I expect a bigger role in the passing game. Um, uh, but this is a way better team with a way better line um, with, you know, just a better team in general, which I, I like better. I think Hilaire, I don't know, DeAndre Swift, I think, was my number two. And then Kyle Edwards was my number one. Uh, coming into, or maybe it was the other way around. So I like both these guys talented. I think they're in great situations. Um, I'm not, you know, I, I, Antonio Gibson has a lot more competition, I think, than, than either of those guys. Same with, not Najee, the other running back that you mentioned that I'm totally blanking on. It might've been Aaron Jones. Um, uh, Aaron Jones, yeah. uh, Najee, Gibson, yeah, Na- yeah, right. yeah, Gibson. Yeah. Those two guys. So I think I'm over that. I mean, uh, we differ obviously on, on Najee, which I'm not sure if we're talking about that today, but, uh, I don't think we are, but, um, yeah, I just uh, he's really the upside is really there, and I think the floor is very very safe. Uh, so I'm just happy with with uh, Clyde Edwards Hiller where he's at. Um, but yeah, I also I also wanted to mention like look I I understand that they they use Tyreek and they use uh, Kelsey in the red zone a lot, and those guys are big red zone threats. But I think it opens up another avenue where we don't you know normally expect a guy like Tyreek Hill to be good in the red zone, but he really is. Um, I think Ceh can have a similar role where he you know is fast explosive. Um, a good receiver, and they could use him in the red zone just as much as a guy like Tyreek Hill. Does that does that make sense? Yeah, no, I think that's it's definitely a possibility. Um, it really depends on how the Chiefs kind of change up their playbook um, going into 2021 and see if they can have some more success in the red zone because mm-hmm. they definitely did struggle there that time at times and having a, a solid presence on the ground other than Mahomes sneaking in himself could open up a little bit more of those opportunities for kind of everybody involved, like a rising tide uh, yeah. lifts all boats. Right. Yeah. All right, cool. Is there anything else about CEH you want to add? Um, I think that the uh, the target perspective might have me considering 
bumping him up a little bit because he does present a lot of similar arguments that I have for DeAndre Swift. Yeah. And he is on a better offense, though there is the caveat that the Chiefs are almost so good that they're rarely going to be behind and they're not going to be forced to run the ball or pass the ball quite as much. They might be running it um, a little bit more than we want compared to Swift, who aligns with their, I think they're projected for like five wins this season. They're going to be behind a ton. Mm. I think we may see them air it out more often um, comparatively. But those are, you did bring up some really valid points and I'm looking kind of at my rankings. And I think I could see moving CH up around to like, 13 or 14 um, closer to Najee or Joe Mixon territory even. So yeah, yeah I think you made some very compelling <laughs> arguments. Cool. Cool. Fuck yeah. All right. Dope. All right. Let's move on to, uh, to Miles Sanders. Um, we got Sanders up next. Um, I have him 19th or you have him 19th. Yeah. You have him 19th yeah. and I have him 11th. Underdog is right there. 19. Uh, same fantasy pros. Uh, they've got him 18th. Um, so you're, you're more talking on this one. I get that. Um, I think I moved Sanders a little bit down, but I'll still defend 11 for sure. Um, I think he's one of the safest running backs in God, maybe even safer than Joe Mixon. I, I'm not sure. He's, he's in that kind of category for me. I think it's Sanders and Mixon, like right back to back with me, uh, what I have. Um, I just, they didn't add anyone. I know people love to use a draft capital argument. They drafted Gainwell, I believe, who, who I actually like yeah. a lot. Um, but I'm a big fan of Kenny Gainwell late in drafts. Yeah, I, I mean, I like him, but, I mean, I know people use the draft draft um, capital argument all the time. They spent, like, what, a second-round pick on Sanders? He's been really good for them. He's, he hasn't been bad at all. Um, you know, he was the backup to—he was overshadowed by Saquon for a while in college, but he was great within his own right at Penn State, and he was—I don't see anything wrong with Sanders' game at all. He might be—I think—because he doesn't really have an injury history, I don't think— um, he feels like the safest running back in this draft, and I want to be as safe as I can early on. And I love when I watched on film. I recently watched Hertz film. Um, just paying attention to him. I love the way they run that RPO with Sanders and Hertz. I think that team might rush for like a billion yards. Like I combined with them, you know, they look so good running it, so comfortable. It looks like college all over again. And you know, the Eagles had a lot of offensive line trouble last year. Um, it was just unsettled for a lot. They had some decent play. But if they're able to get a more settled line, you know, Lane, uh, Lane Johnson's all good and, and they're able to, um, you know, really have a, a stable offensive line, uh, I I can see him running all over the place and scoring a bunch more. So that's kind of how I feel about Sanders. Yeah, I um, just for clarification, Sanders was taken late second. Um, he was the. I just had it up. Where did it go? Uh, he was the 53rd overall pick back in um, two years ago at the 2019 NFL draft. And then Gainwell, they took fifth round this year, 150th overall. So if you want to go from the draft capitalist perspective, they didn't invest a day one or day two pick into their running back room. So they feel at least some level of confidence in Miles Sanders. Um, they didn't need to reach for anyone earlier than Kenny Gainwell. So I do think that is um, a positive note in his favor. I'm not even really, like, I don't consider myself a Sanders hater because I think we can all see the talent. Um, He was similar to CEH last year where he has all of these good arguments going in his favor. And now he's, like, around cheaper. He's even cheaper. So there's less risk involved at his new ADP. You're a little bit more insulated. And if you're looking for that safety, that's fine. Um, I just think that whole range of, like, 
running backs 12 to 20 or so is really, really compressed. It's going to come down to like splitting hairs. And I don't love him as much as I love other guys in those range. Um, And I do think a lot of it, this is going to be a thing where I don't think either of us are wrong or either of us are off. It's kind of connected to how you feel about Jalen Hurts. Um, Jalen Hurts showed really, really good potential for himself as a rushing quarterback. His passing was not as ideal. It left a lot to be desired in terms of completion percentage and things like that. Um, But if you think that uh, Hurts can unlock this offense and the Eagles outperform or overperform from expectations, then Sanders is going to be a big recipient and a big reason behind that happening. Um, I worry that running quarterbacks tend to contribute to fewer overall offensive plays for their teams and rushing quarterbacks like Jalen Hurts also tend to not target running backs at the same rate as less mobile as their less mobile counterparts. But they did show some good chemistry. Um, I think Sanders had, he was averaging like four, five targets a game in the three games that Hurts played. He had something like 13 or 14 targets over three games. So that's a really promising sign. Um, It's definitely not like he fell off the face of the earth as soon as they added another um, rushing element. So it's there. And I think the ceiling is still there. He has the talent. We've seen his breakaway runs where he can go off for 80 yards and a touchdown in one play in the blink of an eye. And that can win you weeks. And that's a really valuable thing to have. Um, But again, like Miles Sanders is... He's in a relatively appealing spot. Um, He's going right behind J.K. Dobbins and Chris Carson and just ahead of David Montgomery and Josh uh, Jacobs. I think I feel a little bit safer with Chris Carson, but I wouldn't be opposed to Sanders over Dobbins, interestingly enough. Um, And depending on Tariq Cohen's health, I can see Sanders over Montgomery or even uh, Jacobs, who's now splitting a backfield with Kenyon Drake. And Kenyon Drake just got like a over $10 million contract. So the Raiders probably intend to use them because teams tend to tell the truth when they're using their wallets. Um, so in his general range of that like late, um, like running back 15 to 20, I do think there are a lot of appealing things um, that Sanders is providing and bringing to the table. He's just not quite my cup of tea in that same um, personal range. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, definitely it does. Um, yeah, th- these ones, I-, I don't think we were, like, super far on. I was just curious also to get, you know, our, our, our opinions on each of these. You know what I'm saying? Like, um, I think I think we'll get into more more wide divides later on, you know what I'm saying? So uh, I, I think yeah. these are fine to, to, to disagree, you know, reasonably. Because I, I, think, I think we can both agree that a lot of these guys are top running backs, and we don't have them outs too far outside of that i mean you have it 19 but i still think that's in like the range of like very useful running backs in the top three rounds right yeah um depending on where you see that like cliff start to bottom out for running backs um if it's when you get to dobbins sanders jacobs or if it's even a little bit further on when you get to like the gaskin kareem hunt um mike davis territory where you view that cliff is starting to appear kind of influences on how you feel about Sanders. Cause if he's well before the drop, then you're someone that we would be super happy and super excited to have is like you're running back two, or even if you really hammered the position running back three on a team um, mm-hmm. capable of that week winning upside. 
but I don't think he's someone that if I was going for like a zero running back approach or like a single early running back, I don't think I would want him to be my sole lead running back. Okay. So we do differ about that. Cause I'm, I'm pretty comfortable with the four he has here, um, which I'm, I'm unsure how to be, and not that I was, not that I'm saying that I was super convincing. I'm unsure how to be convincing more on that. Um, yeah, I just I, I think I think the floor is just one of the lowest there. There isn't any competition there. He's on a I, I'm I think his running style with Jalen Hurts was really really impressive. I mean, he was good with Wentz even too. I mean, if you look at the you know beginning before he was inactive for a few games, I mean, he was running up up against some pretty good defenses and playing really well. Uh, and and I feel like this will continue going forward. I mean, he's also another young guy that. I know a lot of people expect running backs to be not, I'm not saying you or anything. I'm just saying guys expect running backs to be amazing out of the gate fucking forever. And sometimes it takes a little bit to, you know, really get there. And Sanders feels, feels like, I mean, I like, so I'm going to compare him to Calvin Ridley a little bit, but not really. Um, Calvin Ridley had like two seasons where he was like 900 yards back to back. Um, and then he broke out for what, 1400 last year or some, something like that. Um, and it was yeah. just insane. Um, and I know that has to do with Julio being hurt and everything. And there, there's a little bit of a difference there. But I see Sanders as one of these guys who could be a third-year breakout, and because he's he's gotten you know just about there, maybe not gotten all the rushes he deserved to get. There's been I guess a little bit hurt for last year. I'm not sure about the year before, but I man, if this guy plays 16 games, his four is like combined yard like 1,300 yards. Like I think combined, I I, I really don't see it getting any lower than that unless the Eagles are absolutely god awful. But I also to, to come back to your point um, on Jalen Hurts, I do want to say I'm not like the biggest believer. I don't know where he's going to go. I think he's a lot of upside, but also really like a lot of da- uh, downside. Um, but I, I just love I love the film that I saw when when uh, Miles was there. But I also liked a lot of the games before. Does does that make sense as well? Yeah, I, I like that a lot. Um, and then just to kind of chime in with the safety of Sanders position, um, his main competition in the backfield right now is Boston Scott. And Kenny Gainwell, who we've already talked about. Um, I do think there is some possibility of Gainwell kind of stepping into that pass-catching role, taking over the um, Naheem Hines role in, like, a Nick Sirianni-led offense. Mm -hmm. But I don't know how early that will happen, if it'll happen at all this year. Because, again, they didn't need to invest an early-round draft pick on Gainwell. They may not really need to plan or factor him in as much as we might want him to later on in drafts they might feel totally comfortable with saying, yeah, Sanders is our guy. Like, we're going to ride him until the wheels fall off. And if our offense hits, then he's going to be a key focal point behind that, especially looking at how young um, Philadelphia is at wide receiver with, like, Travis Fulgham, Jalen Rager, and Devonta Smith Mm -hmm. being their three main pass catchers. Then, yeah, I think there is absolutely an opportunity for Sanders to kind of smash um, his ADP, like a post-hype sleeper, sort of in that same uh, Clyde Edwards-Alaire argument that we were saying earlier. Yeah. All right. Cool. 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 All right. We're getting getting out of this this safe zone where we're we're tacitly agreeing with each other a little bit. We're moving this on next, to tra- this, this yeah. next one's a doozy. <laughs> yeah. We're doing Travis Etienne next. You have him ranked twentieth. I have him ranked thirty seventh, which is funny with the underdog and fantasy pros because underdog has him twenty third ranked running back and fantasy pros is thirty seven. So that's that's very interesting. We're we're split just like these two websites. So that's fun. Um, you want to take it first? You know what you take yeah. it first. Because I'm just going to critique. Love, yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm a big fan of Travis Etienne. Um, I love what he did in college. I really like his profile overall. I love that he got first round draft capital. He landed in what I think 
is the situation that is better than we're making it out to be. I know everyone's like, oh my God, so, Urban Meyer yeah. is just lighting it on fire. Like he's dousing the whole team in gasoline and everything like okay. it's going to fall apart. And yeah. I don't necessarily believe that. I think he can be eccentric and some of his comments are weird, especially with them having wanted to draft uh, Kadarius Tony yeah. over ETN. But at the end of the day, they did spend a first round draft pick on him. We already have a really strong indication that he's locked into that third down role, that receiving pass catching role, which leads to a lot of high value touches. He's got a really athletic profile. He's got upper tier athleticism and did a great job at the combine. Um, his college production is just really, really solid. He had 78 college, um, 78 touchdowns in college over his time. He posted where is it? I just had it. There was something really interesting. It was like great. Oh, I'm not sure. <laughs> um, he had like 78 touchdowns and only 786 touches overall in college. So like 10% of the time when he got the ball, he scored. And I think that's a, something that's really, really valuable. But out of all of that, my biggest argument in favor of Travis Etienne is the fact that there is so much about fantasy football that is tough to project tough predict tough to predict and we can't really deal with the variance sometimes so we're better off embracing that variance etn is going into a brand new situation new front office new coach new um new running back new quarterback everything is kind of changing and we don't really know where it's going but we know that he's locked into a very safe floor with valuable touches and there's a really solid chance that he ends up taking more of the actual carries than we're expecting and can easily out-earn his average draft position. We saw that he's got the familiarity with Trevor Lawrence. They've been playing together for years. And if Lawrence either booms like the generational quarterback that we think he is, best prospect since Peyton Manning, or if ETN can earn reps in the slot or on a um, just greater percentage of passing down plays, Due to that familiarity with Lawrence and the Jags wanting to ease in a rookie quarterback with shorter, lower average depth of target passes, then ETN stands to really, really have a ceiling that's not being factored into his draft position. This level of uncertainty makes it like he's not going to kill you at running back 20, at running back 23. And at 37, he's an absolute steal because he's that's basically his floor. And he's being valued asymmetrically, where if we're getting him closer to his floor and he could, if things go right, if James Robinson goes down or he takes over that backfield like we see rookies tend to do after their bye, he's going to absolutely smash his average draft position. And he's going to finish way higher um, than 23, in my opinion. I think he stands to reason to finish as like a mid running back two, high running back two if things go right. And I don't think it's all that unlikely that things do go right. Okay. Um, yeah, those are, so those are some fine arguments. Um, I, uh, let's, I want to, I want to take these one by one. Um, I will definitely, there's, I don't really agree that like first round capital or like draft capital means as much as people make it out to be, especially in the off season. I feel like everyone's just like, well, the teams are the smartest, not, not again, not that you, Zach, I, I, I think you know that, but like people tend to say that, He's a first-round pick. It's automatic. He's going to be great no matter what. Like, I hear the same thing with Najee Harris all the fucking time. It's like, well, he's taken there, so he's going to be the best running back ever. It's like, all right, man, I get it. I will, however, agree with it gives – usually first-round picks and stuff like that give opportunity. And I think ETM will have some opportunity for sure. And I think that's fine. 
Um, so maybe I'm a little bit low on that 37 with the amount of opportunity he might see as a first round pick or the second running back draft. I think Pittsburgh was right in front of the Jags, 24 and 24. Yeah, I think that was what it was. Um, so second running back off the board, whatever, right behind Najee. Um, I, I understand that. So I think that's fine. Maybe I'm a little low on that with the floor. I think it's possible, but I, God, I don't, he, his college tape wasn't that good. I, I, I'll say it. I don't know how people think the college tape was that good. Look, he ran over crappy defenses. I see a lot, a lot of scoring versus like Virginia, Boston College. It wasn't a very good Virginia team. Wake Forest wasn't a good, very good Wake, Wake Forest team last year. Getting stomped by Ohio State. Um, not being as good at Virginia Tech. Being pretty good versus Notre Dame, which is good. Pretty good defense. Um, I, but then, then again, he played them before and they got crushed and he was terrible, um, especially running the ball. I really worry that him going from an offense where he can just uh, obliterate bad teams in college to where he's going to the NFL on a Jaguars team that isn't a top dog, isn't going to be able to to allow him to do the things he was able to do in college. I really, really worry that his lack of ability to to run the ball effectively or to run the ball well, his lack of ability to break tack- or fall forward, take hits, absorb hits, um, is really going to limit his ability to run the ball. I think James Robinson is by far a better running back um, in terms of just the, if we eliminate pass catching, just a general rushing ability. Um, I'm curious if you you disagree with that. So I'm a big fan of James Robinson. Um, I have a very big soft spot for him because he was on my team last year <laughs> in a couple of leagues. So that obviously helps you the heart grow fonder. Um, and I do think James Robinson is probably a better runner in between the tackles. I don't consider okay. myself a huge film expert. Um, sure. I re- I liked what I've seen from both of them. Um, I prefer to work kind of more in the numbers and the data more so than the film because I recognize that's not my area of expertise. Yeah, and I'd I, need help. I need help on that, honestly. So it's always good to hear the stats, you know? <laughs> yeah, and I like to uh, defer to people whose judgment I really like. And there are a lot of people that I value their opinions really highly and they're big on Travis Etienne. Um, and then your one um, comment on first round draft capital. Mm-hmm. While I do think it can be overstated to an extent, um, the long-term hit rates of like first round running backs drafted over the past, I think since like 2012, at least like 75% of them have at least one running back one season in their careers. And I also um, saw that over the last eight seasons, there was only one running back drafted in the first round that had less than 200 total touches as a rookie. And that was Rashad Penny, unfortunately. Um, But if we're looking at ETN kind of historically feeling pretty locked into 200 touches with room to grow there, it's just really tough to see him not beat his current ADP at 23 or 37 for me. Um, Even if we don't think or aren't necessarily full believers in the talent and what we saw in film, Running back, probably more so than any other position in the NFL, is more driven by volume um, than actual talent. So if ETN has a very clear path to a safe floor with reasonable volume and could end up taking over the entire backfield, it feels like he's a much safer prospect, um, even if we don't love the film just from overall hammering and hammering and hammering at the door with touches and pass catches. Um, and slants and all these short little receiving yard plays that with his home run ability, that 10% um, touchdown rate back in college, like if he's throwing in a couple of extra touchdowns over expectation, that can really help and climb the um, end of season rankings as well. Okay. 
Yeah, I mean, I, I, I get that. Uh, I hear what you're saying, I think. But I'm just, so between the tackles, you think James Robinson is a better runner, right? Yeah, I would, just, I would just, probably yeah. say so. Okay. I don't know if that's right or not, but I would say I think he looked well, think better right. between the tackles um, last year from what I saw of Etienne and Clemson and then mm-hmm. Robinson um, in Jacksonville. Yeah, James Robinson had, a, a, I think, a ridiculous year breaking a, a ridiculous amount of tackles, a similar amount to people who love Antonio Gibson and his break tackle ability. They were very similar in that regard. With He had guys like Jacob Luton, Mike Lennon, um, Gardner Minshew, who can't throw a deep ball. Uh, uh, you know, he was the running back behind those guys. Um, and t- I'll say it. I mean, teams were not, you know, selling out to, to guard against the pass when James Robinson was in there. I'll tell you that much. And I don't know if it was the same with ETN in college. Um, I, so I really do believe that James Robinson is a way better rusher, especially because we saw it last year in the at the NFL level. Um, so I'm, I'm just more a fan on there. Now, in terms of his pass catching ability, where do you think ETN falls in the pecking order for pass catching? Um, in terms of... On the Jags yeah, in the this Jags, rookie yeah. class. Yeah, on the Jags. Oh, on the, on the Jags, I think he's the best pass catcher on this team. Um, oh, I would. I I. Who do you think would be a better pass catcher than Etienne? It seems like they've already kind of expected and committed to him having those pass catching roles. And if they're making that decision um, so early on with no real reason to disclose that information, I think that pretty solidly represents what he's bringing to the table. And then. I don't buy into this quite as much, but I do think there are positive sides to take from ETN, spending time developing his familiarity with Lawrence even further, running routes and running, like lining up at the slot or running passing plays um, as we are early on in the offseason. So I think that's something he's continuing to work on and continuing to improve um, improve at. I think from the rookie class, I think Najee is a better pass catcher overall. But I do think ETN was pretty good in that regard, and I definitely feel more comfortable um, with him over James Robinson oh. um, in the Jags. So, sorry, when I, when I say pass catcher, I meant like like just like you know receivers included and stuff like that. Does that does that change your answer? Or? Oh, um, yeah, that changes it a little bit. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, so I I I I think he's may, maybe the third best, maybe even the fourth best on this team. So I'm just going to combine that with him being the second best rusher, the fourth best passing option on the team. I don't know how I can have him at 20 with that regard. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I think that's Sorry, a fair yeah. argument. If you, if you want to have him at um, as the fourth best pass catcher um, behind, I guess it would be Chark, Marvin Jones, and Lavisca Chanel. I'm assuming. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. I think I think that's valid. And if you want to look at it from that perspective, I don't have any real reason to argue. If you think, because I would probably agree that Robinson is better between the tackles and as overall pass catching. Mm-hmm. Um, as far as running his backs goes, he's not always someone that has appeared completely comfortable catching passes. Um, he can look awkward at times for sure. And compared to a natural wide receiver like Chark, Jones, or Chenault. Maybe not as good as a pass catcher is there, but again, I think he's just going to get the right work in important areas. Um, but I, I see your concerns for sure. What do you mean by important areas? Sorry if I, if I missed that um, earlier. Yeah, no, I think he's going to get the passing down work. I mm-hmm. do believe that we could see him end up stealing some of the goal line work um, more so than expected. Mm-hmm. Even though Robinson is better between the tackles, I think – um, ETN gives you a more of a horizontal threat, and we could see mm-hmm. him um, provide some dangerous looks in that regard. 
as well yeah, as just, it's, a new, it's a new front office. Um, they just invested a first round pick in him. They want to see him do well. They want to see him succeed because that looks better on their part. And if it ends up being even a 50-50 split in the red zone for carries, that's a boost in ETN because I don't think that's really being factored in it right now. I think some people are looking at it as, oh, James Robinson is going to get every goal line carry. And I mm-hmm. don't know if we just, I don't know if we know that for sure. Um, yeah, so it I can all agree comes back that. to yeah. that. Yeah. All comes back to that uncertainty where ETN has such a wide range of outcomes, but I think they're more skewed towards upside than downside. I don't think he can really hurt you more than we're expecting at these prices, but he can make an absolute difference for your team in 2021. Um, okay, yeah, I, I get that. Um, I will also say, if we're looking at terms, I mean, ETN probably won't play like outside receiver, he'll be playing slot, and I think Lavishka is just a better option there, even in the slot too, so he's like my number two slot guy. Um, I also know Lavishka got it. I want to say he averaged, I got like 20 carries last year. He does also cut into the running ability. I'm not sure if that's going to be changed with the new system, like you said. He does kind of, Lavishka does kind of fit the H-back type deal, like a like a big tight end body that can also run the ball for Urban Meyer's sister, system, excuse me, not sister, Jesus Christ. I don't even know if he has sister. Um, Anyway, but um, yeah, I, I, I will also relent. Now we're talking about like Urban Meyer's, you know, system. You're absolutely right. This is a new coach, a new system, a new GM a new pretty much everything, a college offense possibly coming to the NFL. There is a lot, a lot of uncertainty. And if you like the talent for ETN and you believe in the draft capital ability and you believe he could possibly take over from, I think, one of the better running backs of the year last year, but things can change year to year for sure, especially with running backs. Um, I I understand where you're coming from, but that uncertainty at 20 overall, are, are there, are there, that kind of feels like what you had Miles Sanders at 19 and then ETN is 20, I, I'm really, I can't be that close, um, considering, like, their kind of roles. We talked about opportunity a little bit, right, where, where we can get that. I just don't see them being similar. Does that make sense? Yeah, I think that makes complete sense. Um, I think that in my overall rankings, they're really, really close. But ADP-wise, we're seeing uh, yeah. ETN is going around two rounds, maybe two and a half rounds later than Sanders. He started falling out to, like, the seventh round on underdog at times um, with this shift of everyone kind of becoming hyper aware of dead zone running back range. And the bottom has kind of fallen out for these mid running backs that ETN is getting cheaper and cheaper to acquire. And as he gets cheaper and cheaper, the upside just gets more and more appealing because there's less risk involved in an already, what I feel isn't as risky as it seems of a profile and of a situation. Okay. Um, th- sorry, I'm trying to pull up. I've been slacking, but like that ADP, I'm just going to look up Fantasy Pros ADP um, real quick, just because I want to I want to see who's in that range for him. And I'm just curious to see where we, uh, um, Travis, Travis. Okay. So he's like in the, I mean, I guess Fantasy Pros is, is, is lower like me because he looks like he's 27 here, which is, I mean, kind of in the middle of where we're looking at, but yeah, I mean, in the range of Javante Williams, Raheem Mostert, Melvin Gordon, Leonard Fournette, Chase Edmonds, Mike Davis, I, I understand that more for sure because this is kind of what I think people are calling the dead zone for running backs, right? I, I think that's where he's at. Yeah. Um, and I'm fine with him being there because there are going to be a thousand other wide receivers that I want in that space, like T. Higgins, Kenny Galladay, um, DJ Chark, stuff like that, that I'm going to be taking over him. Um, but I guess I guess if you're going zero RB, you could do a lot worse. I'll say that, you know? Yeah. Um, 
But yeah, I just I I can't I can't with all the uncertainty that is there. I think that can can be a positive for sure, but that could also be a, a big negative, especially when Urban Meyer's like, hey, we just got we want an explosive playmaker that we want to use on third downs and not a you know Najee Harris three down running back type deal. Um, but you know if 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 you like the talent and you like um you know the value you could possibly get from a first round pick. You know, I, I don't I don't remember the last time we had like a first round running back go this late in drafts. I get it. Um, I get it. Yeah. Uh, was there anything else you want to add? No, I think I kind of hammered home my my big takes on how I kind of approach the running back position in general, yeah. trying to capitalize on uncertainty and asymmetric upside and things like that. So what, what do you mean I'm by a asymmetric upside? I, I'm just curious. Uh, was it so in terms of like asymmetric? I mean that. Asymmetric is just not symmetrical. Like, I think we're valuing ETM closer to his floor than to his ceiling. Um, I don't think, like, the worst-case scenario is not far off from where ETM is currently being valued, and it's not nearly as punishing. Mm -hmm. But the best-case scenario and the upside and the kind of higher probability chances at either end of the bell curve seem like they favor a really surprising season from ETN where he significantly outperforms ADP. Because even if he falls to in that like late running back two or late running back or early running back three, like kind of territory, like late two, early three, 24 to like 30 range, the point drop off from running back 20 to 30 is not that significant. Mm -hmm. But the boost from going from running back 20 to running back 10 or like running back 12, that's the type of difference that really does matter when we're talking about trying to win mm -hmm. either your home league or take down a fantasy tournament or something like that. Um, yeah. So that's what I kind of see as asymmetric upside. I think mm -hmm. the downside, what could hurt you about ETN doesn't really sink your season, but he's someone that has a lot of good sign going in his favor. And if things break right, he can absolutely be this year's like league winner, just like James Robinson was last year, though obviously Robinson was was free or came off your waiver wire in the majority of situations. Mm -hmm. Yeah, um, I I I definitely like the logic the um yeah logic methodology method uh, Jesus Christ methodology there. Um, I, I would agree with that for sure. I I just don't think Etienne is is that guy for me. Like I I think you can definitely take risks at this point, and he is definitely a risky guy. Like you mentioned the uncertainty and all that stuff. Um. But yeah, he's he's definitely just not a guy. I'm I'm interested in, in seeing that he can be higher. But I mean, it sucks because I'm a Jaguar fan and I want him to be good. I really do. Like I I know I shouldn't have him in fantasy because I just don't like where he ended up and I'm not really a fan of the talent. But I'd love him to be good. I'd love to be wrong, you know. Um, but yeah, I just don't think I am. Um, so we're getting we got time for maybe one more. Was there a specific one you were the most interested in that we haven't talked about yet? Um, I would. This has kind of become more of a bigger thing on uh, Twitter, and we've talked a little bit about it already, um, but I'd really love to hear more about your thoughts on Justin Herbert specifically. I have him <laughs> as my quarterback. <laughs> yeah, there he goes. Um, I have Herbert as my quarterback seven overall. Um, you have him all the way down at quarterback 16. Mm -hmm. So that's a really big drop. Um, yeah. I'm okay with the idea that Herbert – may stagnate or even slightly regress because he had such a historic rookie season and there were so many things going right in terms of all-time quarterback efficiency, plays run, completion percentages, and quarterback scoring overall. And I could see that definitely affecting him. 
and hurting him a little bit um, or helping him stagnate if he makes improvements to counterbalance that. Um, but 16 is really, really interesting to me, and I'd love to hear your thoughts on that. Just for context, um, yeah. Underdog has him at quarterback seven, and Fantasy Pros has him at quarterback six. So um, if we could hear your thoughts on Justin Herbert, Jesse, the world is dying <laughs> to know. Um, so I'm going to do a little bit of a cop-out here. I don't. Uh, I think the Justin Herbert discussion uh, warrants a lot more time than we have, so I'm not going to go too deep into that if that's okay. But I can that's lay out totally some... fair, yeah. Yeah, I'll, I'll just lay out some quick stuff. Um, real quick, I guess like my, I won't go into them as much maybe, but I'll just lay out how I feel about Herbert. Um, he was a guy I, I was, I think he was my fifth quarterback coming into the draft. Um, in my, uh, in my, you know, pre-draft mock, uh, board, my, my big board, my draft board for that year. And I, look, I'm not a guy, I'm a non-reactionary guy. I think I've said this a billion times. It's on my Twitter. Um, I am not going to adjust how I feel about a quarterback after one year. It's not going to happen. It will not happen. I do not care what happens with their first season in the NFL. I, I just don't care. Um, I, I understand that he did a good season. That's cool. Um, he definitely did. I can't deny that. He had put up some great numbers. I think he benefited from a lot of different things. I think he benefited from the coaching staff. People say Anthony Lynn's a terrible coach, and I don't think he made good coaching decisions to win football games, but he's one of the only coaches out of the like seven that Justin Herbert has had um, that was able to get him to play really well. And his absence, I think, will play a factor in Herbert's development. Um, I saw a lot of deep touchdowns that Herbert did jack shit on, that receivers were just wide open, guys like Guyton. Guyton and I'm forgetting uh, Parnum, I think the tight end had just these wide open touchdowns for like 80 yards that Herbert did nothing on. He did absolutely zero on. I don't think that's talent. I think that's getting very lucky. Um, I worry about his inaccuracy and people are like going to look at the stats and be like, what inaccuracy? And I'm going to point to him having one of the best hands, one of the best route runners in the entire game in, um, God, what Keenan Allen. Keenan Allen, yeah. Yeah, Keenan Allen help him bail out of that that situation. Um, which, you know, isn't a knock on fantasy. You still love Keenan Allen. I still think Keenan Allen is a very, very talented and underrated wide receiver. But I um I, I still worry about the inaccuracy, the bad games. You know, everyone knows about the New England game. He had other bad games in there too. Um he had some really great games too, where he had like five or four touchdowns. That was really cool. But he is really, really up and down. And he was very up last year. But I expect him to be more down this year and regress. And I think if you take him anywhere in the top 10 to be your top quarterback, you're going to want a new one as soon as you can get one. Um, I understand the offensive line has been built up to be better. I get that. But Herbert was also great under pressure last year. He didn't really feel it as much as people, um, I, I think, are factoring that into it. Uh, so, I, I mean, the offensive line is great that it's being built up, but he was still very good under pressure last year. So I don't know how much of a difference it will make. Um those are kind of my big arguments right now. I don't want to go too much further into it if that's cool, because I want to do like a full discussion on it. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's totally fair. Yeah. Um, I'm a little bit higher, obviously, like we said, um, Herbert posted a quarterback nine overall season while missing a game. And as a rookie, um, we can talk about like the boost for quarterbacks and how quarterback scoring was at an all time high. And that obviously benefited Herbert in terms of an overall points perspective, but I don't know if that necessarily benefited him more so than the other quarterbacks going around. Um, one big thing that is either a very happy um, statistic or something to be concerned of if we expect some regression 
um, is that the Chargers had a really high pace of play and large volume uh, from weeks two to 17 when Herbert was the starter after Tyron Taylor had his lung punctured. Uh, the Chargers outpaced the entire league in total mm-hmm. plays run. Mm-hmm. So that definitely helped give him a lot of volume uh, and contributed to those high four or five touchdown games. Um, but for me, it just feels like there's a very clear and structured like top five quarterbacks of Pat Mahomes, Kyler Murray, Dak Prescott, Lamar um, Jackson, and Josh Allen. Um, and I know you feel how you feel about Josh Allen, but we'll save that for another time. Um, and right outside those five, Herbert and Russell Wilson, I think, give you as good of a shot as anybody um, at breaking into that top five and also feeling like they've got a really solid supporting cast around them. Like you said, Keenan Allen, one of the best route runners in the league. Um, I'm definitely higher on Austin Eckler than you are, so that could help dis- explain some of this disparity. But I see a elite wide receiver, one of the best in the league. I see a really good running back who boasts solid pass catching ability. And I also think that if we're a big Herbert fan, um, the Mike Williams buzz is also very appealing and he could help be a really solid wide receiver too in that offense. If he can stay healthy and stop making these ridiculous acrobatic catches where he gets himself hurt all the time. Mm-hmm. Um so that's kind of where I feel on Herbert, especially with, with that improved offensive line and hopefully like a second year where the game sort of starts to slow down for quarterbacks a little bit better. They sort of start to read the defenses and alter the play calls to take advantage of that. Hopefully he picks up on that a little bit more. But the risk is definitely there. We've seen quarterbacks before that post really strong rookie seasons regress a little bit or a lot in their second season. And if you had Herbert, you said like fourth or fifth out of this rookie class, Mm -hmm. then that's understandable, especially because having Herbert fourth or fifth, it sounds crazy to say now it's super reactionary, but there were a good number of people that were not high on Herbert. They saw bust potential. They saw Mm -hmm. a lot of glaring inconsistencies inconsistencies or mechanical issues. Um, And if you thought that or uh, Burrow or Tua or Jalen Hurts or even Jordan Love were more solid prospects. Yeah. <laughs> and the understanding that this season could have been more of a mirage and not quite Justin Herbert's actual self, like closer to his real ceiling in a perfect storm situation, then I can understand it. It's, it's not the bet that I would personally make. I think he's a little bit safer than that. But the arguments you make are valid, and I think that they're – is cause for concern. Um, I can see Herbert disappointing a lot of people who get stars in their eyes and really need to reach for him and lock him up. Um, I've seen him go as like the second quarterback off the board in dynasty leagues, which I think is really, really premature. Um, but that's probably another discussion for another day as well. <laughs> sure. Yeah, yeah, I, I get that. Yeah, there's... um. There's a lot of people who I think after Baker Mayfield's 2018 season who would have had him as like a top 10 quarterback and now have him as a maybe top 20 quarterback that just aren't consistent with their ability to analyze quarterbacks year to year. And that really bothers me. That's another thing. I mean, I'm looking at guys, uh, you know, I mean, Robert Griffin's a little bit different, but guys who run like, you know, rookie of the year that just don't end up panning out for the rest of their career just aren't as good as they were the rookie year. It happens. And I'm not betting on a one-year wonder um, who had a very – up and down, I, I want to say college career, especially in terms of his, um, you know, his, his progression. He was very, very good as sophomore and junior year, but didn't really progress much as senior year. 
I, I just I worry about teams being able to read into it now that they have a full season of tape on him. And uh, I just I don't think it's there talent wise, but it's hard to talk about film on on video or not on a, on a podcast. So it's a little difficult to dive into that. But um, I do really feel strongly about this. I, I really do. It's one of my stronger takes. Um, but I've been wrong before. And uh, yeah, I'm willing to be wrong on this one. Uh, don't take yeah, it. Yeah, and I, I think that's part of the game, right? Like what I was saying on ETN, like we're mm-hmm. really bad at predicting things. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, NFL we, we can is be. too chaotic. There are too many injuries, too many storylines and narrative shifting mm-hmm. and God knows what else that it's really tough to predict. And Baker Mayfield was exactly um, who I was thinking of when I referenced like quarterbacks yeah. that yeah. had a great rookie yep. season. We're super, super high on like the sky is the limit. And then we're like, oh, no, that was kind of like their breakout. And then they regressed a little bit. And yeah. If I like that possibility though, exists for Herbert. Sometimes, you know? Yeah, and Mayfield started putting like pulling it back together um, mm-hmm. towards the back half of this last season. He looked really good over the last couple of weeks. And if that's a Justin Herbert type trajectory where he struggles a little bit in his sophomore season and then continues to improve and get back to where he kind of was in his third season, mm-hmm. I think that's a totally plausible narrative and something that we could see. Um, yeah. Have- yeah, look, I'm I'm on board for that too. I mean, I might not like Herbert this year, but that doesn't mean he's going to be as terrible as it goes on. I like I said, he might have been my fifth ranked guy or like that, but it doesn't necessarily mean I I hate him or anything like that. I think, and this might people might yell at me like this because they don't remember five fucking years ago, but I think he has like Andy Dalton like four or like that's kind of where he's at. Andy Dalton was not a bad quarterback. I, I think he could be very good at points and then have a pretty good career maybe not get to the superstar level that everyone is thinking he's going to get. And I just, I, I'm not ready to commit after one year when there are guys who offer a better floor with rushing ability or throwing the, just throwing the ball better for longer. Like Russell Wilson. I just, I I don't, I don't understand how you can take it on Herbert, but I get quarterback in like a one quarterback league. You want to go for upside. That is the thing that I have considered doing a bunch, obviously. And people do that. Um, and Herbert's got upside for sure. He's young. He's on a pretty good team. Got a better offensive line, but, um, I need people to 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 reconsider a little bit, pump the brakes. So, yeah. Um, yeah. So we got through. I want to say like half <laughs> of what we did. Um, and I we've we've gone to about like yeah an hour. So Zach, um, why don't you you know re-roll that stuff? Where can people find you? Yeah. So this was an absolute blast. This was a really fun hour. And if we only got through half of it, I might have to come back on. And we I was going to say, I was going to say, we got we some big names on the list. We didn't get to, we had yep. uh, CD lamb, Amari Cooper, Brandon, Ayuk, Jamar yep. Chase, Josh Allen. There were a couple of really attractive names on this list that I would love to pick your brain on some more. Yeah. Um, but yeah, thank you again for having me on for everybody listening. Um, I hope you enjoyed it. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Zachy NFL. I, I'm a contributor for the lateral, and again, I've got a uh, DeAndre Swift and running uh, pass catching running backs article coming out soon, which you'll be able to find on my Twitter and on the laterals um, sites and everything like that. Um, so that's pretty much me. Yeah, yeah, I want to thank you again. We we definitely will have to finish up this at some point for sure because um, I want to talk about these guys definitely. Like, I feel like I've been talking a lot about guys I hate, but there are a lot of guys I really like <laughs> and I want to get. So I'd like to get a, get a, talk about a few of those, you know, next time. You know, absolutely. Yeah, but thanks for stopping by, man. Hey, my pleasure. Thank you again, Jesse. It's always a blast. Of course.
Thanks for listening to the Bacon Games Podcast. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter at BGF Sports. And be sure to tune in next time.